Is there a secret to building a profitable online business? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. It wouldn't be a Mind Dog TV uh, podcast episode without me complaining about something. <laughs> uh, September and my allergies are driving me crazy. Um, things have changed a little bit, though. I'm, I'm noticing from last year uh, when I was first started the podcast. I would generally, especially on the evening podcast, the 8 p.m. podcast, that's when my allergies would kick in. But uh, <laughs> and somehow along the line, that 8 p.m. time just uh, has changed, and I never know when they're going to kick in. And so it's feeling great this morning up until about five minutes ago, and then my face started to blow up, and I know I'm full of sniffles and, and ready to sneeze my face off. So I apologize if if you see me making some funny faces, trying to keep my eyes together and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for you folks on the audio side, you should join us on the live stream sometimes. I know we have uh, tens of thousands of people that actually download each episode of the podcast. And uh, these the live video streams don't reflect any of that. I, for whatever reason, people are not really uh, inclined to watch television on the computer. I understand that it's not the same as uh, you know watching a television program, but there is an interactive uh, aspect to this with the chat room, and it's why we keep doing it. Uh, sometimes some of the best questions come from the audience, so I invite you to join us here. Uh, we do them at 1 o'clock daily uh, weekdays and 8 p.m. Eastern. Generally, the 1 o'clock is uh, set aside for business, but sometimes sometimes we veer away from that a little bit. And the 8 p.m. show is more geared towards entertainment and uh, just fun things uh, and some unusual stuff. Um, we, we deal with a lot of books, uh, authors, science, uh, history, uh, paranormal stuff, and the comics and filmmakers and all that kind of stuff. So uh, join us sometime for the live stream. It's available on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitch, um, and about 10 other social networks I've never been on <laughs> that uh, uh, I'm sure people, uh, young people are, are on that. Surprisingly enough, I looked at my demographics for age for the first time. Uh, just a couple of days ago, and 70% of the audience is under 44. You would think a boomer like me, most of uh, most of my audience would be in my age range. Uh, the biggest audience is actually the 18 to 25-year-olds, which is a good thing for my advertisers, I guess, uh, um, to be targeting. Uh, that's a, a highly sought-after demographic. But the second biggest is right after that. It's the 25 to 35 group. So we're looking good as far as our demographics and of people that are uh, tuning into the show. Uh, so I would think they'd be more apt to join the live streams, and I invite you to kind of... Uh, check us out daily. Uh, a little bit about my sponsors today. Fundwise Capital, 
lender matching platform that gets you the best credit lines guaranteed. Apply in 60 seconds or less. There's no effect to your credit credit score to see how much you can get. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. You heard me correctly. I said start or grow your business. If you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan, now is the time to to really jump on that opportunity you've been waiting for uh, that that the chance to start your own business. You got a solid business plan that can help you get funding for it. Get the best funding you can qualify for. The strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months. You're not going to beat that deal, folks. Uh, you can try to get negative 1%, negative 2%. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, 0% interest for 9 to 15 months uh, is a great deal. Unsecured term loans, loans based on your income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. Uh, they provide uh, funding for real estate, startups, as I mentioned, uh, franchises, restaurants, and any kind of business project. Uh, and I appreciate you patronizing my sponsors. The link to get started is apply.funwise.com. That's apply.funwise.com slash dog. apply.funwise.com slash dog. And again, I do appreciate you patronizing my sponsors. Uh, today, we're going to talk uh, about education and um, how we can uh, help businesses grow uh, by building their community. My guest is Anna DeGilio. Uh, she has gone from teaching seven-year-olds, I guess that's second graders, uh, to being featured in Forbes magazine for building a seven-figure uh, education company in just a few short years, which if you've tried to do that in the past, and and if you know anything about my history, and you've probably heard me say this before, I worked for several people who had struggled for many, many years to build online education companies. And some people put in 15 years, uh, starting in like 2004, 2005, and are still struggling to this day. So her insights are going to be uh, enormously helpful. Uh, priceless, as I say. Uh, so she she started this educate seven figure education company in just a few short years. She uh, she saw many ways that the education system could be improved, and she began working on her first company. Although she had never taken a single business class, Anna was able to build and scale her company from the ground up through pure determination, hard work, and by devouring hundreds of books, podcasts, and online courses. Her first company became highly prof- uh, a highly profitable venture, allowing her to retire from teaching and focus all of her energies on flourishing on her flourishing new business career. <laughs> Anna is now looking to share her amazing results and teach small business owners how to scale their businesses and why having recurring revenue can make or break them. Uh, please open your ears and open your minds and help me welcome in Anna DeGilio to the Mind Dog TV podcast. Anna, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, we're excited to have you. You know, uh, as I mentioned, so many people have struggled in in building those uh, online businesses, uh, and I know so, so many people continue to struggle. So uh, as I mentioned, I think your insights 
being able to to actually be a success in just a few short years is going to be priceless to some of those people who are still struggling, still trying to figure out how to make it work. So I appreciate you coming today. Well, I'm honored to be here. So happy to help in any way that I can. Okay. Uh, so we start with the idea of your experience, your your beginning experience was as a elementary school teacher. Uh, how is that similar <laughs> to working with business people? So basically I was, I was a second grade teacher. As you mentioned, I was a second grade teacher for 23 years. I actually just left the classroom uh, three years ago now. So I was teaching up full time up to three years ago and built my company while I was teaching full time. So, um, you know, as I started to build it and realized very quickly, it was an extremely profitable business. At that point, I realized I needed to learn how to run a business. <laughs> right. Because I didn't know that I went to school for education. I never, you know, went to school for business. So when I realized I had something very profitable on my hands, that was when I kind of dug into just learning everything I could about business strategy, business growth, how to scale a business. And do, uh, do yeah. CEOs have anything uh, have much in common with with uh, seven year olds and second graders? No, no <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> nothing uh, at all. That that's the part I. I that that confuses me because being a, a director on several levels in the corporate world, dealing with lots of CEOs, uh, the idea of uh, their personalities and trying to get them to really buy into um, the importance of community and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes for me, it could be like dealing with second graders when I uh, just the, the whole frustration of trying to sell an idea to uh, the decision makers within a, within a bigger company. You work with big companies, you work with small companies, who do you work with? Uh, typically, you know, our company is B2C. So typically teachers are my main audience. That's where most of my revenue comes through is through the teacher market. So we're typically B2C. Over the last year and a half, two years, we're moving into more uh, school districts now. So now we're selling more, you know, the, the B2B kind of world selling to school districts. But primarily my business was built on selling to teachers. Well, uh, I think you couldn't have uh, and I, I don't want to pose this in an undelicate way. So let me let me you couldn't have a better opportunity than covid to uh, bring online teaching and your expertise in, in that to teachers right now who are uh, almost forced to be uh, into this world of having to learn how to teach a course online to to students. So the opportunity for you, uh, I, I, and again, I'm trying not I'm trying not to be undelicate here, <laughs> indelicate, whatever the word is. It's just that. Uh, uh, it, what is a tragedy for most of the country and for most of the world is an opportunity in some ways for, for people like you to kind of help teachers get on board. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, and it's true. It, it's an unfortunate situation. Uh, you know, when, when COVID first hit in March, you know, every business took a hit, you know, mine included because everything just halted, you know, so everything just stopped. And then once you know, once life continued on and, you know, teachers and school districts and we were realizing what was happening in education and how being online was going to be something teachers had to learn. It, our business exploded beforehand. Now we exploded, you know, tenfold. It's been it's been crazy the last 
three months has been insane scalable growth for us. And while it's sad that it that that this is happening and, and you know it's happening to our children, it's happening to our teachers, it's happening to our communities. I'm, you know, we're all devastated about what's what's happening right now in the world, you know. But yet on the flip side of it, it helped me, you know. 10x our business in the last three months so it's been tremendous i want to put up your banner before we go too much further for the uh grasp your goals uh com i know you have another website and we'll bring that one in later but uh for now i just want that one to be there and people should know that of course all of the links will be in the description nice and clickable for you i just put them on the screen so you will recognize them when you see them in the description um so but also beyond teachers right now I know, and uh, this isn't uniform because it, there is no uniformity across the country, across the world uh, right now with regards to this. But here where we are in Long Island, New York, where I am in Long Island, New York, uh, many people are going back to uh, kids are going back to school, but the parents have an option of homeschooling or or sending them back to the classroom. Now, besides the teachers getting involved, the parents have to kind of learn how to become teachers because they're um, a conduit in, in the program. I uh, talked to a friend who was a grandfather yesterday, and he said he's taking it on and, and having to homeschool them, but with the teacher's help. So you're, you're not just dealing with teachers, you're also dealing with parents and grandparents in many cases, right? Absolutely. When when COVID first hit, we realized there was a, a, a real need for the parent market as well. So what we did was in the middle of, you know, growing our business, we also now pivoted also to the parent market. So we're selling our reading program to the parents as well as teachers in school districts because it was a real need. Teachers saw, I mean, parents saw the need to learn and figure out how to help their own child with reading because reading is the backbone for all education to happen. Without reading, nothing else can happen, right? So we pivoted right in the middle of COVID and started to also then um, service and, and help parents as well with uh, their reading and helping their child with re their reading development. So we did that mid COVID, like right, right around like mid April, I would say. Well, you, you're, you hit on something that just drives me crazy. And it's part of something I talk about all the time, especially when we have audiobooks uh, sponsors here um just reading in general i you you mentioned on how important it is in my view reading has become a lost art people social media has really ruins people's attention span they they want to read a sentence at most a paragraph is work forget about a a you know a full page of text and a an entire book that's that's asking way too much of people today your your uh perspective on that i completely unfortunately have to agree with you because it is i mean everyone's attention span is you know seconds as opposed to you know minutes or hours and and it's true picking up a book is not the first thing people do anymore they have a computer in their hand right we, i mean walk around with a computer in our hand all day and reading is not the first thing that we're going to do on it you know there's so many other things that are pulling our attention away from that and you know with the digital world we're listening to audiobooks we're listening to podcasts we're watching youtube videos on our phone right so it really is taking a back seat and it's it's so sad to me because 
we need to create literate people in our world, people right. that can read and understand and comprehend. And so that is something that really drives me when it comes to our education business, because I believe that reading must be at the forefront of, and, and top of the line in terms of our education and what we're focusing on in education. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, it goes beyond, and I, I appreciate that for textbooks and all that stuff, but I've never been a big fan of fiction, but I've, I've, come to realize the importance of, uh, of reading fiction and the fact that there's so there's a big difference between having a book read to you that, and having your own experience of sitting in a quiet place and reading it for yourself. The experience is totally different, and what you get out of it will be very different. No matter how many times you re- listen to that audiobook over and over again, you may absorb the knowledge, but the experience and the... Um, the growth that you're going to get from it is never going to be the same as actually reading it for yourself. Do you agree? Oh, I, I totally agree. And I love audiobooks. Don't get me wrong. Me I too. <laughs> all the time. But I love having a book in my hand. I feel the experience that you have with a book and what you gain and gather from an actual book in your hand and reading those words on a page, it's just more powerful. And I, I feel you make more it's connections to, you know, ideas and thoughts and inspiration and creativity creativity when you're actually reading the words on a page than just audibly listening to it right i want i I, my mom used to tell me uh, this old adage and i never believed it to be true and i still don't believe it to be true in a lot of ways but and i think you you've heard it a million times yourself uh those who can do those who can't teach uh um i think most teachers can can do a lot of things, but where I'm going with this is what you've created is an online learning uh, business, and my my reluctance to get involved in a lot of this is that there are so many of them. It's become so saturated that, and and people who don't really have a background or a master's degree in in teaching or any of that stuff never really went to school for teaching because they have a skill or a passion believe that they are qualified to teach it in mm-hmm. some way. And uh, to me, they're not, it can, sometimes it's the case. There, there are people who are very good teachers who never went to school for education. But right. for the general most part, I think uh, it can be detrimental to turn somebody who's not a, a professional educator into a professional educator with no no real understanding of how education uh, works. You're perspective on that. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think we're seeing it more and more in the online space right now with, with, you know, you could start a business with a computer and a microphone. I mean, you know, so really anyone can start a business. Anyone can start an education business. And yes, you're right. The market is very saturated right now with online classes and so many different programs out there where you can upload an online course and things like that. And I do agree. I, I feel that when people do find someone that's in their niche or someone that they are interested in, you know, follow them for a while, listen to their teachings, listen to what they're sharing with you. Is it something that you connect with and you feel like, oh yeah, this is, this is good information. This is the right information. But I feel sometimes we make such quick decisions online and, you know, follow this guru and follow that guru. And maybe they don't really have, you know, the the knowledge that they're saying they have. So my suggestion is just follow them for a while, see what they share, see how they're teaching online and, and does it align with what you think you're going to learn from them? 
Right. And is, does that play into, because uh, part of me, uh, and I don't know if it's, it was in the bio that I read in your introduction here, but I've definitely read this on your uh, website, the importance of community uh, and building a community. And, and it, does that kind of play into that idea where you get to really know the person before you, you commit and afterwards, even after you make the commitment, you're still part of that community. Can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I, I believe the reason why I created a seven-figure company and a seven-figure business was because of my ability to create a community with teachers that come to me for support. They come to me for advice. You know, they watch my videos. They watch my YouTube channel. You know, they come to my webinars. I do live webinars twice a week just to help teachers. So I think when people realize that you're there to truly help them, really give valuable advice, valuable experiences that you've experienced yourself through trial and error, through making mistakes, you know, and you're willing to share that part of yourself in a vulnerable way, people really connect with you. And I believe that that's what allowed me to build a huge audience online because I'm not only sharing the, you know, the glory and, oh, you can do this and everybody can do this. I'm saying to you, yes, I fell on my face many times in my classroom. I've made mistakes. You know, I've done it. But it got me to where I was able to get with my students. My students left my classroom every year reading on or way above grade level. But it took a long time to get there. It took trial and error, you know. Absolutely. And I think that the building of the community is so important for people to know, like, and trust you. That's what we need to create in a community, to create a, a, an amazing business and in a business that can sustain itself is having that know, like, and trust feature. Yeah. Uh, trust is important in buying anything, really. You got to trust the, the person who's selling it to you and you have to uh, trust in the product. You have to trust in the service, whatever it is. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how the specifics of how people go about building that community? Well, number one, I absolutely believe you have to have a presence somewhere on social media. And I believe you should really build a presence on one social media channel. There are so many right. and it's overwhelming. And to be honest with you, I was everywhere. And when I realized that was not helping me, I needed to focus more. So I knew I wanted to focus on Facebook and I wanted to focus on YouTube. So those are where my two largest audience audiences are. And then from that and sharing, you know, videos on my business page and webinars and trainings, then I would invite them to come into my private community, my private Facebook group. I have two different private Facebook groups. One has almost 25,000 teachers in it. And one I just started a couple of months ago that has uh, 6,000 in it. So, um, you know, so I have pretty large communities. And again, it's because they see me there. I'm active with them. I ask them what they need help with. I try to offer my experiences and my expertise to try and help them through whatever they're struggling with in their classroom. Well, that's interesting that you say that. We talk a lot about social media on this program and uh, uh, the differences and what the purposes of some of them are. My take on that is simply that Facebook is where grown-ups are and the every other we uh, social media that comes along, uh, I'm discounting YouTube, but every other one is where younger people go to get away from the grown-ups. <laughs> that's why they keep developing new ones. Like uh, They developed... Uh, Instagram and to get away from it, and then older people started going there, and then they they developed Snapchat and TikTok yes. and all exactly. of those. Exactly, it's an endless game of trying to get away from the older people. Um, but no, I totally agree. Yeah, so for business, I do think uh, Facebook is 
definitely the number one place to be uh, as far as building a community. Uh, so when you look at people who are trying to do this, right, uh, they're uh, the same mistakes repeatable and obvious, uh, or do, you know, do people fall in the traps of making the same mistakes or is everybody's struggle different when they're trying to build these uh, online uh, learning businesses, uh, you know, teaching courses and stuff online is it, is it are they the same mistakes over and over again or do you see new mistakes depending on the individuals and what they're what they're offering to, to be honest i think they're very similar i think i think building a business is a is a is a very clear roadmap what you have to do right you have a very clear roadmap of, of how you build a business and how you make revenue, right? You know, we've got to get the customers. You've got to get the audience. You've got to something, sell them something of value, give them value, have them trust you, and then continue to then sell to them, right? I mean, that's right. basically what it is, right? And I feel like people are making the same kind of mistakes when it comes to online. And I made them all. And the reason why I know that is because I made all of them when I built my business. You know, I didn't know anything about business. So I've done, I've made all the mistakes, you know, I, I've created multiple courses. I have multiple membership sites currently, you know, I offer one-off products. I have an e-commerce store. So like I've done it all, like I've done it all. I've tried it all. And once I feel like you get to that point and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm doing too much. This is overwhelming. It's when you realize what I should have known from the beginning was you need to niche down. And wow. when, I, when they say that the riches are in the niches, it is so true and nobody believes it everyone thinks i have to do all of these things and it's so false the really the riches are in the niches niching down as much as you can and really focusing on that one thing that one core offer that one opportunity is what's going to get you where you need to get well that is interesting because as a marketing person marketing director i've i've uh, recited that so often uh, that uh, I can't even count how many times I've said that. But in my own podcast, I, as I mentioned, I have business during the day generally and entertainment stuff at night, and we're all over the map. So I, when people ask me, because I've, I've been preaching that niches uh, stuff forever, people ask me to define my niche right now, and right. I have a difficult time doing it. Uh, uh, but uh, and the only only but I would add to that the caveat is that uh, I'm kind of semi retired. I mean, I did did took this on for fun and for enjoyment and because I wanted to uh, relive my my past in radio. And I, this was as close as I'm going to get to to being on the radio again. And I thought, uh, and I have a lot of different interests. So I my goal was not to start this as a profitable business. My goal was to do it for my own enrichment and learning. It has become a profitable business. Could be a lot more profitable if I uh, niched it down. And so uh, when people ask me that, it, sound, it almost sounds like I'm being a hypocrite. But my purpose was not to be a profitable business right from the start. So uh, that's why I, I did not. And now I'm considering maybe I should segment them and niche down, uh, you know, have separate shows and niche them all across, uh, you know, all across the board here so that people don't get confused. Because I know I am confusing my audience. I, it's uh, funny. I actually heard you say that on one of your podcasts I listened to. You were thinking about separating the two, yeah. so you weren't confusing your audience. And I get it. And 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 part of the problem is when you do that, 
you're, it's hard for you because you're constantly putting out different marketing messages, right? right. So I'm putting out this marketing message here and this marketing message here, and you don't know where your focus needs to be. And it's, and it's very difficult. And I'm still kind of in that, in those trenches right now. I'm still trying to clean up the mess of all of these different product offerings I have and really focus in this one area. So it's, it's taken a while to really get where I want to get. And we're still, we're still, you know, running through the mud a little bit to get there. So yeah. I, well, like I'll say to people who are just starting a business, truly focus on one thing because it will make your life so much easier and so much more profitable. Right. Well, and also just, uh, um, keeping it all about me because it always has to be all about me um my inspiration for this was joe rogan and joe rogan has different guests on and he has exciting guests on every single day just about and never never within the same genre or stuff so he'll talk to scientists he'll talk to comedians he'll talk to book authors and that and i know he he seems like uh not just the dumb guy he used to be. And when I, from years ago, he was just a stand up comedian and he played a lot of dumb guys and like sitcoms and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, but because of his podcast, he's become an education, ed, educated person in so many, uh, different genres and different interests. And so I thought, wow, that's what a great way to learn just from talking to different people in in different areas every day so that was kind of my inspiration but i i i definitely hear your message about niche down and it it definitely works one of the common things that i've seen and i want to know if this matches your experiences one of the common problems with people starting these online businesses is not really understanding their audience and thinking that their audience is them uh, your audience, my audience is me, and that's not necessarily the case in a lot of uh, instances. Is, does that match your experience when seeing problems with uh, people who start online businesses? Yes, it's it's very true. In my case, I was my audience because I was a teacher for 23 years. So I already knew the struggles they were having, the areas that they needed help with, because I had the same needs. I had the same wants. I had the same struggles. So for me, I really was my audience. But I noticed that for other people that are because I coach, I, you know, I coach other business owners on on where, how to niche down, how to find that niche, how to speak to the audience that you want to speak to. And I agree, they they don't, they think they are their audience and typically they're not. And that's why it's really important to, to talk to your audience and ask them, you know, what are you looking to learn? What are you struggling with? What is your area that you're looking for help with? Because that will give you what you need to start your business and even catapult your business. Right. Uh, so you, when you look at, at a business, as I mentioned in your uh, intro there, you never took a business class before. So uh, when, establishing your authority as a business coach. And by the way, the word coach, uh, people know this. It just drives me nuts. The word coach. I mean, I, I say I'm better off with expert therapist. You name any other word, just the word coach just rubbed me the wrong way. For so I know why, because it reminds me of you know sports coaches and and gym teachers that I had, yeah. and I just I I just didn't like them. Uh, but so when when you're establishing your authority, because that's important in this, right? Yeah. As a coach. Do they ask, well, what do you, what do you know about business? And, and or your only claim really is that, well, I've started my own business 
um, is that a difficult obstacle to, to um, surmount? You know, it is when you're first starting out. And I completely agree with you with the word coach. I, I, I totally understand. And I like to look at myself more as a mentor because when people are asking me about business, you know, I <laughs> I'm mentoring them, you know, like I'm, I'm giving my advice. I'm, I'm showing them what the path was. And, and I, I made all of the mistakes. I, I tripped up as many times as I was going to trip up. You know, I've done all the things that you shouldn't do that got me to where I needed to be. You know, that was able to get me to a seven figure, multi seven figure now business a year, you know? So I think that the way that I want to put myself out there is that I want to help you not make the mistakes I made and have a much clearer path to where you need, where you want to go, where you need to go. And what's going to get you from the starting line to the finish line a lot more quickly than it took me because I had to learn everything from the beginning. You know, I, I didn't know anything about online business. I knew nothing about online business. I knew nothing about business in general, really, you know, so I needed to learn it all. And, and I think because I'm a teacher, I just, I dive in. I do things 1000%. So, you know, I've had many, many coaches that I've hired and I've been in multiple masterminds, you know, 20, 30, $40,000 a year masterminds to learn what I didn't know, you know? And now I have this amazing business that, that I run and I have a much clearer path how to get there to help others to say, I have this idea. How do I get from here to here? And now I know the path because, you know, my path was like jagged and rough and bumpy, <laughs> and I don't want that for other people. So I know I could say, okay, you have to do A, B, C, and here's D. This is where you're ending up. This is where the finish line is. This is what your business is. Let's, let's get it on. Let's rock and roll. Let me show you how to do it because right. they don't need to make the same mistakes I made. I already made them. <laughs> Right. I want to talk about what I think is a myth. And it, well, I think a lot of people start online businesses for the wrong reasons. Uh, and that reason is it's not not going to be a lot of work. Uh, and uh, they, they're told, you know what, you can make money while you sleep. Yeah, and I, I agree, recurring revenue is a great thing. But I think people buy into the myth that it's going to be easy. And it's, it's, it's just a it's not, I'm going to just do work five hours a week and, and get, and get wealthy. Uh, there is uh, it's a regular, it's a full-time job. Is it not? Oh, it's more than a full-time job. <laughs> right. it's more, and don't get me wrong. Passive income absolutely exists. I have it in my business now, but it took me years to get there. And I'm right. still working 10 hour days when I have a really large team now and I shouldn't be, you know, part of it, I'm, I'm a little bit of a workaholic, but I agree. People think it's much easier than opening a brick and mortar. You're going to work the same amount of hours. You know, there, there's no doubt about it. Right. There's no doubt about it. And setting those expectations is really important because I think if you set yourself up thinking I'm going to work five to 20 hours a week and be able to support myself from that, the minute you realize it's not working out, you're going to get frustrated with it and want to give up and quit. And uh, six months down the road when you realize I'm working 120 hours uh, and and it's still not really profitable yet, you're definitely going to quit. Uh, is quitting quitting is is a big problem why you know most people we hear this stat all the time uh most businesses fail within their 
the first year and all that stuff. I think quitting is 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 a big component of that. It's not that um, the business wouldn't have worked um, necessarily, or it was a poor business plan. I think it's uh, weak people <laughs> who just weren't prepared for the fight they were getting into. I agree. I totally agree. And I think fear has a lot to do with that as well. You know, they put so much work in and, you know, they could be right there, right on that cusp of breaking through and right at that cusp of making the difference and really seeing the impact of what they've created. And they just quit too soon. You know, like I worked two full time jobs. I told you I was a teacher up till three years ago. So I built my company at night, I have tw I had twin boys. I still have twin boys. Now they're now they're in college. But as I grew my company, they were kids. I still had to do you know the homework and the dinners and all that. And I built my business at night when they went to sleep. That was when I built my business. I wow. woke up at six a.m. on the weekends. I waited for you know them. Then I had to take them to the soccer games and the baseball games and the music lessons and. But I did it while working a full-time job. And I think a lot of people think, like, I got to get out of my nine-to-five, and I get that. But I didn't leave my teaching job until I was very, very successful. I was making hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands more dollars than my teaching career when I left, you know? So I wanted to make sure this was this was doable. I could make a profit. I could really scale the company. And then I decided to leave my teaching job. So. so what goes into that research, finding out if there's really um, an audience for, you know, for what you're teaching and uh, a viable, whether it's a real viable business plan, what goes into the research on that? Well, like I said, I do believe it's it's part of building the community around what you're doing, you know, making sure there is an audience for you. Are you attracting people into what you're teaching or what you're selling? You know, you've always got to teach something in order to sell something, right? You've got to bring them through a journey to sell them whatever it is that you're selling them. So I did it, you know, I did it over the last seven, eight years, you know, slowly but surely building up my audience, building up people, building up teachers, learning about what I offer, teaching them online, you know, things like that. So I, th that's how I did it, by building a community and seeing that there was interest in it, you know, and, and the way you do that is through your content. You've got to offer consistent content, just like you do your, your podcast every single day, right? Or, you know, and, and you share your content with the world. That's what it is. You have to share your content in order to find out if you can grow an audience with that content. I'm building a pretty crazy uh, community, I have to tell you. Uh, from the emails and stuff I get, it's where it's as all over the map as I, I my show is. So it's you know, and it's worldwide. So you know, I I'll have a show one day and get a plethora of plethora of emails uh, reacting to a guest, either angry or happy or love that person. Or but it's all all over the map, and daily I will get probably about 300 emails now from people who watch the show and have a reaction to it which is a, it's a good thing that they're reacting to it but it's 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 hard to keep up with you, you mentioned uh feeling like you're right on the all businesses that might have been right on the cusp of breaking through before when they gave up i have a friend a dear friend who i've I've worked with, worked for. Uh, she started her online teaching in hair uh, styling techniques in 2005 and has been on that cusp of really making it successful 
every inch of the way and that still is struggling to break through. So if she were to get in touch with you for mentorship, what would you do? Would you take an analytics of of what her uh, business is and kind of try to get to understand her business before giving her advice? How does that work? Yeah, absolutely. That's what I would do first. I'd find out what her business is, what her business strategy is, how she's built it up to the point that she's built it up to, you know, what her revenue is monthly and yearly, what her desired revenue is, because you, you want to find out what their goals are. You know, that's super important to find out what is their end goal here? What do they want? What is, what is their achievement? When they get there, how do we know that we achieved what we wanted to achieve? So I think that's important. So first you have to find a background about her business, how she built it, what her audience looks like. Does she have an email list? Has she ever done online advertising? You know, we need to really dig into what she's done so far and then say, okay, well, this is a strategy we could use now to push you over the edge. This can be our next strategy on how to get you a larger audience. So we have to figure out what is it that's holding her back right now? Is it the fact that she doesn't have uh, an audience that's interactive with her? Is it that she's not offering content every week? Is it her price point? I mean, we have to kind of dig into the analytics of what she has right figure out where we need to go you know you got to go back before you go forward so you have to have a complete understanding of a business before you really kind of get there is no one size fits all it's the point i was making so you have to really understand each business before you you're going to kind of say this is what you need to do yeah i mean there are business strategies that you can apply to any business that will work there's no doubt about that but for me if i'm coaching someone i want to make sure i'm going to give them the shortest path path possible to their end goal right so i oh, i need a, a basis of where we're starting and where she's starting or he's starting to then make sure i give them the right path if i don't know all the details i can't give them the right path yes i can say oh you can try this you can try this you can try this there's right. so many different things you can try to build your business and create your business strategy but you've got to know where they are first before i can give them the path the right path to get to their end end goal Right. So for people on the visual side right now, if you're noticing, oh, there's a scroll on the bottom with her other website, which is more for teachers and for educating uh, K through whatever, K through four or five, whatever. I don't even know what it is. Yeah, anymore. yeah. We're, K, we're about K4, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that, that website is the one scrolling on the bottom, and it's, it's called Simply Skilled Second. Yeah. And in the uh, business one is on, on top to grasp your goals.com. Uh, so, um, is there a point where, um, competition matters? And, And what I'm thinking of is, um, there are so many vocal teachers right now doing vocal core, singing lessons online uh and so can there be too many where it doesn't even if you're really good and you have a community and you have a following where it just it doesn't make sense for you to get into that uh online business because there is just too many uh fish in the in the sea right now i have to be honest i don't believe in that mindset you know i believe there's room for everyone on the playground and i believe you can create an incredible business and an incredible revenue stream whether it is completely saturated or not the 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 teaching realm that i'm in there are thousands and thousands and thousands of teachers that do exactly what i do exactly what i do 
And I have friends that are doing just as well as I'm doing. And we do the same thing, you know? So I believe people will follow you. People will purchase from you. People will buy from you when they connect with you. Everyone connects differently. Just like you said, you get people that say, oh, they, they were upset about what you did and people that were loved it. It's, right. it's that polarity thing, right? right. People who love you and people who don't love you. I might be, I might not be someone's cup of tea. They might hate my New York accent and that's okay. <laughs> you know, well, I'm not girl you know <laughs> i i have to say i don't i don't hear your new york accent because i have one of my own so and i i hear people like you every single day of my life so you just sound normal to me where uh, i'm sure people <laughs> i'm sure people listening to this in texas right now is saying what is with these two people um <laughs> yeah and i actually had somebody ask where i was from a couple of weeks ago on the podcast i said really really <laughs> yeah assume anymore you know? <laughs> you know what happens when you assume you know i never assume anymore <laughs> right yeah that's true uh so but that was a fair enough answer because i know that um that that's a reason several people i've known have not gotten into uh or not taken the step they want to take because they feel like come how am i going to compete with so if i if i took that approach and said how am i going to compete with joe rogan i'm never going to compete with joe rogan he has 30 million downloads a month <laughs> But that doesn't mean I can't I can't do uh, something and offer people a different take, a different personality, a different um, just a whole different program that's similar in some ways, but not not the same. So yeah. you, you can't really let that limiting belief. Oh, oh somebody's already doing that. Yeah. Stop you from from doing it. So I appreciate that. Answer. And I think that that's an important note. The limiting mindset that is a huge problem for people that are starting businesses. It's going in fearfully going starting in a place of fear is just it's just halting. It just people stop. They don't move past the fear. They don't you know break through the fear. And that's one of the biggest problems people have with building a business because it is it's scary. You know, you have to take huge leaps in your business to create huge revenue in your business. I took some very, very scary steps in my business. When I first, when I first spent $30,000 on a mastermind, I wasn't making, I mean, yes, I was making decent money, but to pay someone $30,000 for advice was out of like a movie. Like who would do that? And let me tell you that $30,000 investment catapulted catapulted my business like i've never thought possible you I know mean, you learn from other people you know that's that's the beauty of it you can learn these tidbits from people that can take you to places you never thought possible uh that is extremely interesting to me because i had dave seymour on you you may or may not know of him dave seymour is the uh, star of a a and e television show the highest rated television show a and e has ever had called flipping boston and he teaches people how to flip real estate he was a fireman mm -hmm. and he was broke dead broke i mean to the point where he he, he couldn't pay his rent and his girlfriend maxed out her credit cards to get him the course on uh flipping uh flipping real estate which was twenty five thousand dollars a huge investment for a guy who's out of work and has no money in the bank and nothing so his his girlfriend maxed there out and she said you know i believe in you uh and the the cost of it 
in some way meant that it was it had to be legitimate if something is costing that much there's got to be a lot of value in that now and so that's a part where you, you mentioned fear but i think when people see these big ticket um prices for uh whatever it was for learning investing in yourself it can scare them away but on the other end of that is there has to be, and I'm not suggesting people just jump into it, do your research and all, but there has to be some value into it if, if the ticket is that high. And so it, at that point, that leap of faith is a really important thing to take. Dave is now probably a billionaire. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, you know, put that on him, but I believe he probably is because he's doing corporate real estate now. So he's gone from firemen making a, a, a fixed income, you know, and that's not going to grow where, as a civil service worker to now a billionaire because he was brave enough to say, I have to, I have to invest in myself and this is the cost of it. And that, so that kind of uh, backs up what you were just saying a little bit. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. It's investing in yourself is something that people don't believe in. They don't believe they need to invest in themselves to grow. And that's one of the biggest problems when it comes to mentoring or coaching. People look at, I'm going to pay you to do what? You know, they, they really question it, you know, and they think like, how are you, if I pay you 15 or $20,000, how are you going to help me? Because they don't understand that investing in themselves is the best money they will ever spend investing right. you've got to have skin in the game to make huge leaps in your life if you don't it doesn't have value you won't see the value in it without skin in the game you know right i want to i want to switch back to talking to you uh <laughs> and the teacher rather than Anna the business person for a second here um the education system in america and how uh we educate our children and and even when at the college level and beyond, so I'm talking about adults. Uh, how can it be improved in, in in your view? Having the experience of being in, in the trenches, how can we make our education system better and better uh, educate our people? You know, I got to tell you, leaving the classroom was one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make um, because I loved teaching children, like. I still miss it every single day. It was part of me. I grew up being wanting to be a teacher. It was just ingrained in who I was. And leaving the classroom was one of the biggest, biggest decisions I ever made and one of the hardest decisions. And I have to be honest with you, part of it was that, yes, I was growing this huge company and I couldn't do both anymore. I just... I couldn't, I was burning the candle at both ends and it was, I couldn't do it. So we had to make the decision, do I stick with my you know, teaching profession another few years and then really retire in order to get my full pension? And on the other side, I decided, no, it, it wasn't worth it. And part of that decision was the frustrations that came along with the world of education and the politics behind right, education. Right. And it's very, it's frustrating and it's difficult and it's political and it's about money and, and it's not about teaching those kids. Right. And it's difficult to be a teacher and go in every day and work your heart out to reach those kids. And in the, and, and on the other side of the coin, you know, they're cutting budgets and they're, they're putting 40 kids in your class. Like it doesn't make sense. And to be honest, I don't have the answer. I, I don't right. because 
it would have to change so dramatically, kind of like how it is right now. But I don't necessarily think this is the right change because I don't believe, I mean, yes, I believe online learning and virtual learning can be part of our educational world. But for kindergartner and first and second graders, it's just not, it's not ideal. You know, right. we're teaching them so much more than reading math and writing in first, second and third grade. You know what I mean? Right. So, and, and I don't have an answer and I wish I did, but there's just so much to the education world and it hasn't changed in years and years and years and years. 250 years, I think. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know if it ever will, and I don't know who can make it change, but there are, there are needed changes in, in, in education. There's no doubt about it. But I also believe that that's why I'm so passionate about what I do, because I want to make sure I give teachers what they need to love teaching and kids to love reading. Like I hear that from teachers every day. You, my kids love your books. My kids love the lessons I'm teaching them. And it's because I feel like I put my heart and soul into it. So they will love to read and then they'll do it on their own without us pushing them. Read a book, read a book, read a book. You know, they'll want to do it. Right. I think, well, you, I think you hit on a couple of things there that in my view, and I'm no expert, but when I look at things, I think the, uh, there is a difference between getting kids, uh, started uh kindergarten through fourth grade fifth grade whatever it is getting them started in wanting to be good students wanting to learn uh exciting the hunger for learning in in children i think that should be a priority among young people and then from there it changes into teaching what they're really gonna uh find useful and and that's gonna add value into their lives and some way thinking as a futurist, what's the world going to look like 20 years from now when these kids are graduating high school and going into college? What is it going to look like so you can prepare them for that future world, not the world we live in today, uh, right. because it's not going to exist by the time they're, they're ready for that. I think that gets lost. And you, you talk about the politics. I think politics is is kind of ruins a lot of things, but in, in education, and it's becoming more and more prevalent now with everything that's going on. It's like everything's got to be political. Everything. And, everything. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a mess, but I, I think it really is important if we look at I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but if we look at, uh, uh, you know, humanity in general, education has to be at the forefront of uh, of fixing all the problems we face. We talk about, you know, infrastructure. The the biggest infrastructure we have is our young people's minds, yeah. and and without without having a really solid educational system for them to grow. I think we're just you know, shooting ourselves in the foot by fit, putting band-aids on cancer every every everywhere we look on every problem that we have. So it's I just, totally agree. Yeah. It's I just totally agree. it's interesting to get that perspective. And we talked about it the other day like uh just on a podcast somebody we you know and I'm sure as a teacher and even when you were a student you've heard how am I going to use this in the rest of my life? Trigonometry. I haven't used trigonometry once since I got out of school. Am I ever going to use it? I'm 61 years old. I've never used it. I never right. will use it. And, you know, I'm dealing that with my own children. Like I said, I have twin boys and they're in their second year of college now. And I agree. I feel like they're still teaching them these 
classes that are not going to help them in the real world. Teach them how to invest. Teach them how to build wealth. Teach them how to how to create businesses. I mean, teach them what they really need. Teach them financial literacy. They're right. still not teaching financial literacy. It's it boggles my mind. You right. know, it boggles my mind that those are those are not part of the education world. Still, it's still the same. It's just not changing. And what about the individuality of of people? Because I always felt that the educational system was met, was built to be a one size fits all uh, type. We're just going to take kids and we're going to educate them this way. But if people are different. Do you have any um, perspective on that? On the individuality and and is it important to kind of recognize uh, different? different people i don't want to call them children because it's people at all ages but the the modalities with with which people learn and how to really uh educate individuals in the best way is there you mentioned 40 kids to a class that's got to be ridiculous you can't manage that it, it absolutely is it is ridiculous and that's typical you know in my I'm, i have a friend that teaches in new york city it's just just 36 students in her class it's it's ridiculous it's not it, again, it's it's shoving this one size fits all education into 36 students and you have so many different types of learners in that room. So I agree. It has to be more individualized. And I have to be honest, I when I when I was teaching, I did my best to individualize my instruction as much as I could. Like I taught reading in small groups. I taught math in small groups, which typically isn't done. Math is typically a teacher standing in front of the room, you know, teaching a lesson. But you have children that can't add or subtract. And then I had children that were dividing, you know, six digit numbers. So right. I'm going to teach them the same lesson. How how is that okay? How is that? That's not helping them. I'm not. I'm not helping that child. You know, reach higher. You know, reach higher learning and and learn more complex tasks. If I'm teaching them how to how to add uh, how to add two plus two, right? I mean, it doesn't make sense. And I was I was at the forefront of that understanding that children need to be taught with where they are then we've got to start them on that starting line just like business owners right it's the same thing give them the starting line so we know where their ending line is we can't teach everybody the same thing all the time they all have different paths so i believe education should be more individualized but with the structure of education that we have it's impossible it's right. impossible and the, the funding that they take out of education and they're doing it even more so now because of covid it's just going to destroy it even further. So it's it's mind boggling to me that no one sees what you're saying, that this education of our young children should be at the forefront of everything. And it's amazing to me that it's not. It's still amazing to me. Right. Uh, I have my own agenda here, and I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I apologize for trying to enlist you in this, but it, it's really important to me. I have a very good friend, one of my best friends, who's back to work now, and he's kind of resentful of teachers. He's, and uh, I can't continue to argue with him every day on this. These damn teachers are so lazy. They just got used to working from home. They got it easy now. They don't want to go back to work. It's it you know, slacking. Uh, could, could you help me in that fight and try to help me explain um, just exactly how hard a teacher's day is, how many hours really go into what they, even if it's online learning. And I think their workload has probably increased now that they have to uh, talk to one kid on a computer for 20 minutes or take out special individual 
time to those people. Just help, help me make that fight that teachers really deserve more than they get, and they, they're not slacking. The teacher's job is really, really hard, and they put in endless hours and should be thanked for it and appreciated for it. You know, I, we could literally have another hour-long podcast just on this topic because, you know, teachers always get slack. You know, they work 10 months a year, they get summers off, they get every holiday, and I get that. But you look at any parent that has to spend six hours with their own child, one-on-one, -on -one, teaching them all day long, they want to go and drink somewhere in a, in a silent room with the lights off. <laughs> people don't realize what teachers do all day long. They have absolutely no idea, and they think our jobs are easy. We have 25 or 30 little, little children in our room that have all different needs, wants, issues, learning differences, backgrounds. I mean, there's so much that goes into what we do. And then take take that now, and we're trying to do this online. Right. I have a huge community of teachers. And if you would see teachers in the group posting, I'm in tears, this is impossible. This is so hard. How are they expecting this from us? People don't realize that teaching in a classroom with 25 children in front of you is hard enough trying to keep them behave well behaved, keep them in check, make sure they learn, make sure they're reading, make sure they're writing. Now we're bringing it into a virtual online space where you've got home behind them and the confusion of home behind them. It's an insurmountable task that nobody could ever imagine unless they've experienced it. It's hard enough in the classroom. Now we add online, teaching through a computer screen, trying to get these kids to learn, read, write, and be able to do math in a virtual world is, is almost impossible. The higher grade kids, you could make do. Your high schoolers, your college kids, you can make through. When you're dealing with a five-year-old on a computer, are you serious? Right. It, yeah. No one has any idea, and they're expecting five-year-olds to sit on a computer for six hours. Yeah. How is yeah. that developmentally appropriate? It, it's not, you know? And, and it, I think it could be detrimental. And we're over an hour here, and I appreciate you hanging a few minutes uh, extra with me, and uh, I'm sorry to, to hold you for, for extra time. But uh, I, I appreciate that answer, and it's a fight I put up daily because, I, you know, I, the minute somebody – starts to bad mouth teachers in that way it, it just it, it gets me really angry it's like you're not understanding what they have to deal with you know and i think a big part of the problem is that t parents have um abdicated their responsibility to the teacher for so long and they, they just expected things to get done and and i expect my my child to get educated uh and don't really take as an active role as they should be so when they get mad at teachers and teachers they're they're lazy now it's like man you just have no idea what what you're talking about we you literally should, have no idea right yeah like, you like lazy and virtual teaching those are not synonymous right they're working triple the amount of hours that they typically work now because of all of the virtual tech that goes into this Thank you. I appreciate I appreciate that tremendously. So uh veering back now to the business stuff because we do kind of have to kind of uh wrap this up if we can. Uh for the mentorship stuff and, and and the stuff that you do with grasp your goals. What do people expect about going to the website and how do they get started with 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 working with you? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really, my goal with mentoring other business owners is really to help them grasp their goals, achieve them, and get from the starting line to the end line in a straight line. That's right. my goal. So with Grasp Your Goals, I really work with the individual, with individual business owners, small business owners, online business owners, even brick and mortar, you know, learning about their businesses and, you know, helping them figure out the, the easiest, easiest path to double or even triple their revenue. And um, if they go to my, my website, graspyourgoals.com, we have an application. So they just fill out the application because, you know, it's important that I work with the right people. You know, we have to, we have to jive together, right? We have to make sure we're, you know, we're compatible to work together. So I think that that's an important part. So I need to learn a little bit about your business, about your background, and then um, you just fill out an application and then I'll, I'll give them a call and let them know if we could work together. And we'll talk a little bit more just to make sure that, you know, it's a good, you know, a good connection between the two of us. And then, uh, and then we'll go from there and I'll help, a, I'll typically help a business owner but, uh, with a six month or a 12 month, um, a period of time that we work together to get them where they want to go and really, really reach the goals that they're hoping to reach with their businesses. Wow. Uh, and bearing in mind that this is a worldwide audience and mostly English speaking, but not not exclusively English speaking. Uh, do you work with people remotely? Can, are you open to working with people, say, from Australia, France, uh, Spain? Because these are all places where I have a big audience. Uh, I'm assuming the people in France and Spain are English speaking when they when they tune into this stuff, or otherwise they'd be lost. Yeah. But uh, so, is it a do you do you work with people worldwide? Yes, absolutely. It's 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 international. As long as our we we could figure out when they're in Australia, we've got to figure out that sweet spot and time to meet. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> we've got to figure that out. But typically, yeah, I'll work with everyone, people all over the world. So the, the sweet spot. Can I can tell you, the sweet spot in Australia is eight p.m. Uh, our time, New York here, and because it's usually ten a.m. Uh, there. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. So we'll we'll have to work that out. <laughs> yeah, I have them on a lot. I have a lot of Australians on, and basically. We, that works pretty good for us. It's morning there, morning tomorrow there when it's 8 p.m. evening here. So it's, it, that's yes. interesting. Uh, you can find great, great stuff you find out when you're doing the podcast. Um, I really appreciate your time and uh, I would love you to come back and talk more just about the education system and how and ways that we might address these uh, issues that you talked about today. I, I, I agree, you know, that it's, it's an ongoing subject and nobody has all the answers. I definitely have some ideas though and I think they need to be heard and it's a conversation I think the world has to really get engaged in because I do believe that uh, it's the most important issue that we as a nation face is getting our our young people properly educated more prepared for the world they're going to face as adults rather than the world that we faced as adults years and years ago or that our grandparents faced uh so i think it's a really important conversation to have and i would appreciate it if, if, if you come back sometime i really appreciate your time today oh i would love it i would love it it would be my pleasure Okay, once once more time one more time it's graspyourgoals.com. If you're interested in the uh the K to four uh um stuff, it's simply skilledsecond.com. Uh but for the business stuff it's graspyourgoals.com. And I really appreciate your time. Thanks and, and great success to you. And uh I look forward to hearing from you some more. My pleasure. Thank you again. It was my honor. Thank you. Bye. Have a good one. This episode is brought to you by Put Me in the Story. Put Me in the Story creates personalized books for kids. 
by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. Save 25% store-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by VaporDNA. Founded in 2013, VaporDNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code ORIONQ. And it's a Julio, folks. Uh, well, there was a lot to unpack in that stuff, and I, I feel like we just touched, you know, just scratched the surface there. I know so many people who uh, started these online businesses, as I mentioned, who are still struggling. I'm sure she can help you figure out your problems. Get in touch with her. Visit the website. Uh, if for, she's been a success pretty quick. Uh, for you know, again, I know people on decades, at least a decade in some cases, and uh, just trying to figure out. How to get over that hump to make it a success where some people, you know, just hung up on just breaking even or whatever. I think a part of it, you know, we talk about grasp your goals. A uh, big part of that for me and my big takeaway is really understanding your goals and having real expectations of what your what your goals are and where you want to be is a big part of that. I hope you enjoyed this program. I hope you tell your friends about it and come on back, subscribe, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe there, go to MindLTV.com and get on my mailing list. Questions and comments for me, please. Uh, info at MindDogTV.com. I'm sure I'll be expecting a lot from people on the education system. A lot of emails uh, we'll be getting from that. I'm uh, noticing some comments coming in right now from the LinkedIn side. Uh, so uh, I will address those. But again, best way there to get in touch with me about info. Uh, about uh, comments and questions, info at MindDogTV.com. Until tonight at 8 p.m. when my guests will be Lorna Stell, uh, and uh, I'll be back then. We're going to talk about empowerment and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, it's, um, 
The show goes on, folks. Meet me here tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Until then, I'm Matt Apple from the Mind Up TV Podcast. Thank you for coming. Have a great day. See you. Bye. Thank you.